Hello and welcome. It's the pleasure of Power to Change to present Family Life Today each week, Monday through Friday at this time. We'd love you to contact this station and tell them how much you appreciate hearing Family Life Today. Well, let's get started on today's edition. So over the years, we've probably had quite a few people live with us, in and out. How's that been for you? (laughs) You had to bring that up. You're laughing because... Tell the listener why you're laughing. Go ahead. I'll just let you express it. I wanted you to express it. Well, it was always a wonderful thing to invite somebody. They usually lived in our basement Mm -hmm. that we finished and had their own living space. But after a period of time, I got a little frustrated. Let's just say that. Why is that? (laughs) It cramped my life. Yeah, and it's a bad way to introduce a topic that, you know, we're going to encourage <laughs> listeners to do, but we've got Don Everts back with us. Don, you're a pastor, you're a dad, you've written this book on research and how to develop spiritually vibrant homes. Yes. So first of all, let me say, we've loved the last two days yeah. having you on here. Welcome back to Family Life Today. Great to be with you. Likewise, it's fun to think about these things together. It is. Yeah, and one of the reasons, obviously, we're bringing this up, and you can remind our listeners, yeah. but, you know, as you studied... Yes. Spiritually vibrant homes and homes that say, what were the commonalities that yes. made them spiritually vibrant? You found three things. Yep. Messy prayers, you call them. Mm-hmm. Loud tables. We've already talked about those two. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what those words mean, then we're not going to tell you. You go listen. <laughs> and trust me, those two conversations are going to change your life. But then the third one, I didn't see coming. Yeah. You know, open doors is what you call it. Yep. It's sort of a little bit what we're talking about, but explain what that means. Yeah, we didn't see it coming either. You know, when you do research like this, we think we're going to find this. You know, we did not think we would find that one of the commonalities that corresponds with more vibrant faith is that households extend hospitality, that there are people in and out of their household on a regular basis every month. Some people just said, oh, no. I know, I know, I know. And there are going to be some people, you know, because I'm about to get, like, crazy excited about hospitality. So let me, just, <laughs> let me just qualify it by saying sometimes a household is not in a place, a healthy enough place, yeah, to, like, good. throw open the door. There are levels of yeah. how, how wide you can crack the door, you can open it a little wider, <laughs> or you can just take the door off the hinges. So there's different ways people can do it. So I just want to qualify that. And at the same time, we're saying your house doesn't have to be perfect. Like it doesn't oh, yeah. have to be yeah. the perfect house with the perfect decor, with the perfect meal. That's right. That's right. This was the surprising one, friends. This was surprising. Now, it made us go back into the scriptures, and then we repented and said we should not have been surprised about this. Ah. Because it turns out God knows what he's talking about, and he <laughs> calls his people, Old Testament and New Testament, to be hospitable. That part of a life well lived and part of being his people is where you extend hospitality. So we shouldn't have been surprised. We were. And what the research told us is that the more you have people in and out of your household, the more vibrant the faith is of the people living there. And it's not necessarily that you have Christians coming in and out of your household. It could be non-Christians who are coming in. It could be people who are coming in because they're a tutor, and right? You could be paying them to come in and tutor your, a kid, or it could be grandparents coming in. It could be boyfriends and girlfriends. The more open your doors, the more hospitality there is, the more vibrant the faith is. And what shocked me in this Because the researchers at Barna, they never talk about causality. They'll never say A causes B. They just say there's a correlation between A and B. This one, 
they talk different. Really? This Why? one, because they said it causes it. There's wow. something about having more people in and out of your household that actually doesn't just correspond with, but it affects and increases faith formation. No, okay, so what is it? I mean, what is it about having well, people that in and they out? Don't know. They, they don't know. They, they don't know that. Well, you know. What would you say? Well, I have my thoughts. I have my theories about it. So here's an interesting thing. One of the things that they found is there's something about the dynamics of a household that has people in and out of it all the time, right, where – Sometimes the effect is like, say you have a strong Christian from church who's coming over and they're having a great influence on your family, but maybe you have someone needy or non-Christian who's coming in, but you're still navigating them as a household. Like you're living out your faith and your relationships in a way that your whole household is seeing that and being a part of that together. And so the world coming in and hanging out and you as a household navigating that and your kids watching you do that. That grows your faith. It's so interesting because we can feel like in this culture, we need to protect Absolutely. our family. Absolutely. We need to have us put under the, the roof, put up the walls, protect us, especially with non-Christians. Yes. This, this doesn't even mean Christians. This means just yeah. your door is open and people are coming in. It's interesting. So in the New Testament, it turns out we're called again and again and in the Old Testament Love the stranger, love the alien, be hospitable. The New Testament word, the Greek word for show hospitality is philozenia, which means love of the stranger. And I would say xenophobia, fear of the stranger, mm. is more what we can be tempted by. And I'm going to close off my kids. I'm going to close off my household from the evil world out there. And I'm not saying like... Don't be mindful, obviously, about how you interact with culture. That's not what I'm saying. But what the research says is that the more insular a household is, the more there's a risk factor for not having vibrant faith. That's amazing. I can tell you, so Bosetti was a dear friend of ours where we lived when I was writing this book. And she's from Nigeria, and she's a single woman in our church. And we just, we love her. And we, she was in and out of our house all the time. And I loved having meals with her because she had such a different life experience. And my kids were hearing about that. Mm. And we had my mom and stepdad move in with us eight years ago. And so we were raising our kids with grandparents in the home. And my stepdad was weird. And yet to be able to dinner table and to be able to say, hey, Buzz, will you pray for our dinner tonight? Here's the deal. That was risky because you never knew what he was going <laughs> to say. But the kids, they're getting to interact with someone else's faith other than just their parents. Where we live right now, it's regular that we have Muslims and Hindus in our house on a regular basis because we're right on the campus. There's all these international students. My son, who's a high schooler, is getting to see us interact with people from different contexts, and he's getting to see us just, like, be really open and, like, build trust and build bridges of trust to gain a hearing. And then when they're curious, he's seeing us how we talk about our faith mm. and how we don't talk about our faith. That makes me think of First Thessalonians 2.8, which says, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. Mm. That is exactly what we're talking about. That's it. It's our lives. We did a whole other research project on spiritual conversations with non-Christians and, and how that goes and what's helpful and what non-Christians like and all that. And one of the things that it shows us is that, I mean, the first key is gaining a hearing. Mm. You have to build trust. So our kids are seeing us not just, you know, why do you pray to thousands of gods as a Hindu and what makes you think they're real? Why are cows holy? You know, they get to see us go, hey, 
you know, it's good to see you and to love them and talk about life. And so we're like modeling that sort of thing. One of the tools we have in this chapter on hospitality on our open doors is a household map. And we encourage people to like map out their household, their core household, like who lives with you in your household, and then the extended household. So like my kids' friends who are over all the time, they're actually a part of my household as the Bible understands households. The average household size in the Old Testament was 50 to 100 people. What? Yeah. They didn't have this idea of a nuclear household. It was us and then my uncles and then the cousins and the grandparents and then the other tradesmen and then the traveler who's coming through town who's staying with us. In Genesis, where you have Jacob's household is actually listed, 70 people are in his household. Now, that doesn't mean we need to, like, live in communes and all that sort of thing. But, like, to understand, like, a whole household includes your nuclear or your core household, people you live with, and all these other people. So when I was doing the research, I started thinking about it, and I was like, well, Bosetti, she's a part of my extended household. Hmm. And just thinking about that made me more mindful of that relationship. My kids, same thing, you know, because my wife is a great cook. All their friends are coming over, right? They're a part of my extended household. What's my role to try to influence them Hmm. and try to love on them and be an encouragement for them? It changes the game of how you're thinking about things to like map out. And we even created a cool little cartoon video to help people like figure out like, well, if the grandparents live really far away, but they Zoom every week, are they a part of our household? Like there's ways of thinking about that. But the more mindful we are of kind of this larger orbit, the more active we're going to be with that. And the research tells us it causes our faith to grow. Well, what do you say to the parent that is uh, hearing this and they're gripped with fear? Because yeah. often we yeah. think, and you use the analogy of the submarine versus the rescue ship. We yeah. think submarine. I want to lock our family mm-hmm. down. Yep. I want to lock all the yeah. doors. Put a bubble around us. You know, I got to yeah. protect my kids. There's bad influences out there, and they may have to be exposed to them at school or in the yep. public square. But in my home, I yep. can control. So I'm not letting any of that in my home. You're saying almost yeah. the opposite. <laughs> well, I mean, again, there may be occasions and there may be contexts and situations right. where that is the right thing to do. So right. I, I, and, I, and I really want to acknowledge that. And we're not saying, too, like we're protecting our kids, I'm thinking. Exactly. Totally. In terms of like any kind of abuse or they're Ex- not exactly, alone. Exactly. Or... But I will say this. The default assumption that insulating our kids or our households from the world around us will necessarily grow our faith is false. It's kind of like cul-de-sacs. Cul-de-sacs are great, right? And they're really fun. But the image that we have is that they're safer because it's our little pocket right here, my kids, you know. Well, it turns out traffic-wise, cul-de-sacs are statistically more dangerous than regular streets. That doesn't mean don't live on a cul-de-sac, right? I mean, you just have to be wise. It's just they're different. That's why they're not quite as safe because people aren't used to navigating them and all that. So it's kind of similar in the sense of we just assume if you circle the wagons, my kid's faith will grow or will be stronger. It's just not necessarily true. There's something about hospitality that if your family has occasion, I'm trying to get to an answer to your question, so I'm qualifying my way to it. Right. So if people have fear of that, if there's something real to fear, then fear it. Yeah. But if the fear is this like general xenophobic, like I need to protect my kids' purity above all else, default thought that that's what it means to be a faithful believer, then I would challenge that. Both through what the scripture calls us to 
and what the research tells us, that actually there's a way. I did campus ministry for 18 years, okay? And some of the people who struggled most to launch as believers, right, and, and to own their faith and to know how to navigate the world and, and be salt and light, some of the people who had the hardest time with that were the ones who they grew up in a little Christian bubble, and they had been so protected that their muscles didn't develop. Mm. And so we want more for our kids. You know, what do, what do we want for our kids? Do we want more for them for them to be safe and happy? We were talking about, you know, like your goals for your kids. Like, I want you to be used and to be a warrior for God and to thrive in this world and all that. That protection alone actually will not result in that, probably. Hmm. So to someone with fear, I would say, just crack your door a little bit. Even a way of doing that, just in the prayer life of your household, start praying for people that are outside of your household. Like, that's even safe. You don't even have to really open the door to do that. You're just praying. You're just praying for others, but you're inviting those in your household to be more mindful of people who aren't in your orbit. I would add this too, Don. I was thinking about this when we wrote our parenting book. To know who you are, to know what your passions are, to know what you enjoy. Because I'm thinking of Dave. He may not, like have some person come in and have this face-to-face, really deep conversation immediately. But what Dave is a genius of Mm -hmm. is playing. Yeah, He is so good at like, hey, let's play a game. Let's make up this game. Let's play basketball, football. So he's in our front yard. And I would say, too, he's the only dad outside. Yeah, there you go. And these kids, he is a magnet. When they kids were little, even like 10-year-old, 12-year-old boys, they would knock on the door and they would say, can Mr. Wilson come out and play? <laughs> Every time. And he's fun. He's funny. Yes. And so maybe if you're a dad or a mom and you're thinking, I don't feel as comfortable just going to this deep spiritual conversation, yeah. just who are you? Maybe you're a gamer. Yeah. You know? So I think, Dave... Use your gifts as a magnet. Use your gifts. And here's the reality. The research told us, you know, the three things, messy prayers, loud tables, open doors. The research also told us there are two catalysts that make all three of those happen more, food and fun. Those were the two catalysts. Oh, that's good. And so having fun, interacting with people, doing things creates an atmosphere, draws people in which makes those other three things more likely to happen. Yeah, so start there. Yeah. One of the things you say under this part of your book, you know, crack the door a little bit, open a little wider, is start a small group. Yeah, that's it. You know, maybe yeah. even have a Bible study in your home. We did that. And so our kids, and we weren't even thinking about it when they were seven, eight years old, they're watching our neighbors walk in our door, sit yeah. around, open a Bible, and have spiritual conversations and arguments, yeah. Yeah. you know, disagreements <laughs> yeah. about yeah. these yeah. topics. That's a really good thing. We didn't even realize it, right? But they're seeing it's not just, well, my parents go to church. Yeah. They must care about the Bible because they even do it at home. Yeah. They even have friends who are overdoing it. You know, for, for those who are listening and who are like, oh, I'm no good at any of these things and I'm a new <laughs> Christian or, you know, how do I do this? Here's a real cheater. You guys want a pro tip here? Someone at your church that you're just like, man, I want to be like them or like I'm a parent. I want my kids. Man, invite them over. Yeah. Have them over. Have your kids at the table with them and and just tell them, hey, tell us your testimony or, you know, tell us something about your faith. Let them influence you. You know what I mean? Yeah. You want, let them rub off on your kids. That's just a little cheater. And guess what? They're going to rub off on you, too. Mm. So, hey, here's a question that I didn't see directly addressed in the book. What about your marriage? Yeah. 
How important is a good marriage for your kids in a spiritually vibrant home? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't the, you know, the focus of the, yep, that's of the right. research. but so, so we don't have research on that, but I've been married 25 years. <laughs> and I've <laughs> been doing research. ministry for 30 years. I mean, something's so key because, I mean, that's the furnace of everything in the household for a married, for a couple household, right? So for a household where you do have a husband and wife, the health of that, and by health, I don't just mean like it's pristine and it's always, hello, honey, and things are perfect, but like... So we have, we have a saying in our marriage and in our household that my wife made up, mess up, fess up. Mm. So one of our like rules as a household, one of our like kind of virtues is you mess up, you fess up. And so for our kids to see Wendy and I reconcile with each other is just huge. Yeah. So like the health of the marriage, but that doesn't mean like that we're perfect, but that they see us communicating, that they see us mess up, fess up with each other is huge, uh, is key for all the reasons, right? I mean, you're just smiling because you're like, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's so key to all of this. And so that's why, you know, if someone's marriage is on the rocks and all that, like maybe don't start with hospitality. You got to focus on that. Like that's the next right thing. Get good there. Yeah. So it feels like in some ways uh, when I hear you say that, Don, it's like I can't really lead or model for my family a spiritually vibrant home. All the things we talk about, messy prayers, loud tables, mm-hmm. open doors. Unless it's an overflow of my own personal walk with God. It's yeah. the same thing with the marriage. It's like, man, yeah. if we're not working on our marriage first, yeah. we don't have a lot to give to our kids because you're frustrated and you're angry. and you're. But if you're working on that, and I'm not saying it's perfect. Yeah. We've said that very well. But, man, that's where my energy's going first. I'm going to meet with God myself, and yeah. out of that yeah. are going to come prayers and conversations and hospitality. But if it's not first real in me and yeah. in my marriage, good luck with it ever being extended to your family. We did do some qualitative research, some interviews with people. So there are a number of people. I mean, it's not – I can't give it a statistic, but, you know, where you have one spouse who's a believer and the other who's not. Hmm. And so that was a part of the research as well. And here's the good news that I want to say is that for, for the one who is a believer who's sitting there, like maybe they're listening to this and they're like, well, that'd be great if, you know, right. my husband was a believer, or like cared about his faith. The good news is the kind of spiritual coaching, the kind of initiating all that stuff even works. I mean, it can work. Is it more powerful if the two are like lockstep with each other? Absolutely, unquestionably. But there are people listening who aren't in that situation for whatever reason. And the good news is like they can be a spiritual coach. They can initiate the things. They can be creating a spiritually vibrant household even if there's like a holdout in the household. Does that make sense? They still are having a great impact. Absolutely. And that's why it can be messy. And yeah. that's what that's what we found. It doesn't have to be pristine. It doesn't have to be a husband and wife holding hands, leading a devotion. It can be a messy thing that is happening, and even that helps grow the faith. Hey, Don, would you be willing to pray a messy prayer? Yes. For the family that's listening, mom yeah. or dad, that you mentioned earlier, that feels like, wow, we're we're not vibrant, we're dormant. Yeah. But we want to get out of that. Would you pray for them? Yeah. Let's pray. Yeah. Father, I thank you for the ways that your word shines a light into every area of life, including in our households. And I just intercede on behalf of those who are listening, Father, who are maybe feeling conviction or shame or guilt or confusion or excitement, but not knowing what to do. And Father, I just pray that you would, that your love would surround them, 
that they would be uplifted and inspired by the reality that you care about the health of their household and everyone in it even more than they do, and that you are a God who is pursuing all of them. And I pray, Father, that you would use some of the scriptures we've talked about, some of the insights from research, to call them to one small step. Would you even right now as they're listening, bring an image to mind of one little thing that they could do out of faithfulness, and even if it's out of fear, I'm just bold to ask, Father, that you would even give them one picture right now of a step that they could take and give them the courage to do it, Father. We thank you that you care about households, that one of the agendas of your Holy Spirit is to be moving in our households and helping them grow stronger and heal. So thank you for your activity that precedes our activity, even in the household. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. to thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as Power to Change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you have more questions on how to develop healthy marriages, how to be a better parent, how to make romance and sex work well, or how to grow spiritually. Check out some articles that will help challenge you to move forward well at our website. Go to families.powertochange.org.au for more information. You're invited back tomorrow at the same time for another Family Life Today presented by Power to Change in conjunction with this radio station.